0: when we were doing Mission Impossible and Tom Cruise was in Dubai on the outside of that building with his special little gloves that let him walk up. Well, we actually sent a seamstress. You couldn't wait for FedEx or some international shipment if something went wrong when Tom is on the outside of a building. (laughs) These are possibly the most expensive gloves ever made. So we had a person on set at the 125th floor. In case anything went wrong to those gloves, it could be fixed on the spot right then and there. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment,
1: data, and creativity meet. Here's your host, Ricky Ray Butler. Welcome to Creative Disruption. I am Ricky Ray Butler, and I'm very excited to have on the podcast with us today. Greg Bilson. Greg is the founder and CEO of ISS, which is one of the biggest, actually the biggest um, prop business um, and company across the globe. I think the next biggest competitors, you know, a really small percentage of where they are. Um, ISS is very um, entrusted by companies like Disney, Marvel, uh, um, Netflix, Amazon, Universal, all the major studios um, rely a lot on this on this company, and and Greg is a pioneer in the space. And as we're in the world of the the, the creator economy, um, the prop business, and and making sure that creators have access to props and different areas to make their content look much more realistic or professional is going to be in a bigger demand now than ever before. I'm um, Greg. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ricky. Good being here. No, it's great to have you, um, Greg. You know, you have you and I have gotten to get to know each other uh, for the you know past year or so, and. Um, I'm fascinated with all that you've been able to accomplish. Um, could you kind of give us, you know, just a a little background on yourself and your business and 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 you know what you've accomplished up until now?
0: Well, uh, technically, the company started in my dad's garage in Culver City in 1977. Oh, Wow. Um, he had a need that wasn't being met, and he decided to do things on his own, and it has now grown into a, a larger company with about 180 employees, approximately 12 locations in two countries. Um, we supply props, we rent them, make them, and sell them to television shows, feature films, and commercials all over the globe.
1: Wow. See, I, I think most people um, don't really understand, you know, what happens behind the scenes in the prop business. Um, you know, what percentage of um, um, studios and productions are you working with in Hollywood?
0: Well, that varies quite a bit, but in the sixty to seventy percent range of productions, we're dealing with some productions. will deal with quite a bit from front to end, the entire thing. Other projects will supply just one prop, so it's always different.
1: Wow, wow, wow! Well, I've heard rumors that around seventy percent of the productions out there are using ISS, which you know is a is a is a huge um, you know it's a huge accomplishment. I mean, you, you can validate that um, if you want, but um, it's a huge accomplishment because it really means, you know, the Hollywood community and all, a lot of the content creators out there really rely on your business and what you and your father have built, um, you know, in order to, you know, accomplish what they need, need to do with their productions, with their content. Um, um, I mean, would you say that number is pretty close to accurate, you know, 70% of the productions out there?
0: Yeah, it, it is close to accurate. It's something I don't focus on on a daily basis. Uh, my father was a property master. I myself am a property master, so second generation property master. Um, I have three sons that are third generation. So I, this has been in my DNA forever. Um, so I focus on taking care of, of property masters, their shows, and everything else is kind of taking care of itself.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, with the experience I've had in product placement and, and working in this community, it's amazing how many different generations you know are, are a part of, of of this Hollywood community. Where you meet people that are third generation prop masters. I, I met an individual that you know I, I believe gra- his grandfather did *Gone with the Wind*, and and wow. th- there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of people where it does this. And you know, being in product placement, when we acquired an NMA, Norm Marshall Associates. Um, we've had some of that as well, where we've had several different, you know, generations being a part of product placement and, and, you know, you know, it's, 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 so interesting. Um, you know, I went to your offices and I, and I got to see the scale of your business. And, um, I mean, I, I think you have like 17 acres of, 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 land and, and warehouse, um, you know, taking care of this operation. Can you talk a little bit about the scale and how big it is?
0: Yeah, it it didn't start off that size. It was in my dad's garage. So it's a very large garage now. Um, It wasn't that I set out with a plan for global prop dominance. We simply started supplying props and taking care of people uh, the way we ourselves would want to be taken care of. Uh, I left a TV show called NYPD Blue to come into the companies. So our primary customer is a property master. We take care of them the best we can, the way I would on my show if that's the way I was doing it. Um, most people don't realize that every film environment, whether it's a commercial uh, TV, uh, a large uh, multi-million dollar tentpole franchise like a Marvel show, there's nothing there to begin with. The entire environment is created from scratch. That could be a contemporary office building, it could be a world we've never seen before. So all of that stuff, whether it's rented, manufactured, um, or created somehow in a computer room, has to be done from scratch. So when somebody comes to our companies, they can accomplish more of those under one roof than pretty much any place in the world.
1: Wow. Well, well so tell me a little bit about, um, I think you, how you call it the manufacturer business, where you actually create props. Um, what are some of the, um, you know, uh, what are some good stories of of different props yeah. you have done for films?
0: Uh, well, we are always creating things, and technology has rapidly changed the way we do things. Back in the old days, kind of caveman, you were banging on steel and carving wood. Uh, now we have people in computer rooms that are outputting to computer-controlled devices, three D printers, all sorts of amazing multi-axis CNC machines. Um, So, there's almost no limit to what we can create. Um, They're creating things like Captain America's shield, Thor's hammer, um, rubber parts and pieces so actors and actresses can do things safely and with greater choreography because it's lighter and they're not encumbered by a heavy, potentially dangerous something.
1: So, you're telling me that they're not using steel or metal
0: well oftentimes they're not uh when you have the option of carrying a real 30 pound weapon or a rubber version that weighs two pounds most people at the end of the day will choose the two pound version
1: <laughs> that's awesome no no that, that, that's that, that's amazing and um and 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 i mean are, are you, you're working on a lot of um productions i mean did you ever like do any like the like the fantasy or um, um i mean um like like from like let's say, Lord of the Rings or Avatar or like science fiction, like Star Wars films. Have you you worked on those types of productions as well in, in creating props?
0: Yes, yes, we have. We work on films on a global scale. So there are projects that we're doing for Star Wars and Mandalorian and Marvel that are done all over the world. So we're creating things all the time. The shop that we have here in Sunland is kind of the mothership. And we send things all over the world as they're needed, whether it's something we manufacture. Now, I'm kind of a movie geek. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing. I love going to the movies. I love seeing um, things that we made. I love seeing how it interfaces uh, on on the television show or feature film. Um, The film business for me is one of the very few collaborative art forms where two, three, 400 people can have an active say in how something looks and how it ends up on camera. Oftentimes we are creating and making a very iconic prop for an actor to use, and that lives forever. Um, So it's kind of cool. And and the people that work here are pretty um, excited about the things and projects they work on because it's not going to the corporate cubicle every day, shuffling paper around. It's really very different every single day.
1: Wow. Well, you know, I let's talk about the future a bit. Um, YouTube just recently announced that there's over 2 million creators that are getting paid by AdSense are on their partnership program. Um, And we know that there's tens of millions uh, of people that create content and consider themselves, you know, content creators. And, you know, these are people that create their own TV shows independently from any of the Cable networks or studios or major production companies that end up figuring out how to monetize and, in some cases, make hundreds of millions of dollars a year um, with their content. I I believe the total number is 50 million content creators that are self proclaimed content creators that are out there. And, you know, being that our business, we work with both, you know, 90% of the productions out there when it comes to product placement to to, um, working with. Uh, with the PGA where we're, we're, you know, we're partners with them. And then we work with a lot and uh, tens of thousands of influencers or content creators that do the digital content. And then we have TubeBuddy where we've helped empower you know, over eight million content creators in being more data-driven and growing their audiences. Um, we're excited about this space because there's a huge blue ocean where you have you know, 50 million creators out there creating content where there's tens of millions of videos and images being uploaded every day. Um, what does this mean for your business? Because I think there's a, probably a small percentage, you know, like the Mr. Beasts of the world or, you know, Zach King, um, that, that are looking, you know, for someone to help them with props and the, either that's in creating props or, you know, using, you know, you know, um, a, a prop company that has a, a strong inventory, um. So we've talked about in the past Greg that there's been a you know there's over 1000 hollywoods it's it's across the globe today pretty soon there's going to be millions of hollywoods um how are you going to evolve as a business and like where do you see yourself playing um you know i guess in this industry with the decentralization of content that is happening today
0: well it's a very exciting time uh as far as content and the creative aspect of Giving individuals with nothing more than an iPhone or a laptop the ability to create a high-quality program that they could then put out on hundreds, possibly even thousands of different platforms. Um, we have a bigger toy box than most people have. You know, um, As a prop person in the early days, I would take stuff from home, my garage, whatever we needed to do to get the project done. Now we invite people to our shop here in Los Angeles. Um, and to some of our other locations to get these things. I will make it cost effective for them to do. I want the production quality to increase and get better all the time. I don't want it to be cost prohibitive for a person that we're just dealing with on their very first project that they put completely on their credit card to worry about props and budget. The more we do that and the more successfully we do that, um, our first point of contact with these clients when they get the big $100 million film, the $200 million film, they will come to us to get what they need. And it's growing at such an alarming rate. We're coming out of COVID right now, and we're already considerably ahead of where we were in 2019 in what we're considering the, the pre-COVID time period. And the thing that's still missing from our diet is the large giant tent pole the 250 million the 500 million dollar film because those are a little more difficult to control in a covid world but the covid world is ideally suited for these individual influencers that can take their iphone in their apartment in new york and create an entire program and get it out there so it's it's really exciting for them it's compliant with all the COVID world, but once that is going in combination with the regular beast of Hollywood creating these giant mega shows, it's going to be complete insanity. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Are, are you noticing a trend of digital content creators needing help in the prop business?
0: Yeah, there we have things that you can't easily go to Walmart to acquire. You know, we have extensive weapons collection. We have manufacturing capabilities. We have a collection of props from virtually every decade, every century. So it's, it's like a Smithsonian in one sense to where you have things from the 14th, 15th, 16th century. You can't easily access that. So I invite everybody to come here, get what you need and do it right. I'd much rather it be done right and have some real production value and content for the programs that they're trying to produce. So uh,
1: let... Explain a little bit of the variety of different props that you, you that you have, because I was overwhelmed It was a a sensory overload for me to be honest. Um, when when I went and did a tour, um, of of your offices and your warehouses, um, you know, from, from weapons to like couches (laughs) to, to, you know, TVs that were, um, 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 built in the eighties, um, dive into that a little bit of like, you know, you know, the amount of, Uh, of props that you have and, and, you know, what areas, you know, you see are never going to go away?
0: Well, that's a unique thing about our business and the, uh, the telling of stories, those stories that are told are from every generation, every time period. And how do you sell that time period? You sell it through props. You know, if you do. The wrong time period from the 80s and use an iPhone that wasn't out until the 90s, you're going to get crucified for using the wrong things. So, the diversity of inventory here really blows people's minds because you have to have an eye towards the historical aspect of things. It sounds funny to say you're doing a period film from the year 2000, but that's 21 years ago. And the difference is tech, it's a real thing, and and technology. Uh, in 21 years has advanced tremendously. So you have to have the correct amount of the old stuff. You have to have all the latest and greatest and new stuff. You have to have an eye towards future trends. So when you're trying to develop and design something that is only five years in the future, what's that going to look like? That's a very difficult thing to try to um, keep together, organize. We don't have an ever-expanding Jiffy Pop uh, building here that can continue to expand. So you have to have stuff coming in that's new and stuff that's going out. That's no longer of use to you. So there's a lot of judgment calls that are made on a daily basis. As far as what you keep, what do you want to get? Uh, what do you want to maintain? Um, so it's a never ending process. Well,
1: I, mean, I mean, how do you organize all the inventory? I mean, you, you probably have, you know, um, millions of different, you know, um, individual, um, props, correct.
0: Yeah. people. Nobody has ever come through the full tour of ISS and at the end of it said, is that all you have? Most people are are just blown away at the diversity and the quantity of things we're doing. But if you think about just this one company, we're servicing three to 5,000 projects a year. So there could be 20 military shows going on at the same time and you're outfitting maybe a hundred troops right now we're doing a will smith thing out of new orleans and that is a few hundred troops from the civil war both union and confederate so you're constantly acquiring this stuff keeping it organized keeping it clean and i don't know if you know this or not but the rental business is not particularly gentle on what it is we have if you're doing a military show they're really enacting the fact that they're in a military battle a war and stuff gets destroyed. Things get blown up. Things get bled on. Things catch on fire. Um, so you're constantly getting stuff back that has been damaged, exploded. Um, it is a very unique business. It's not like anything most people have ever experienced.
1: Well, what do you do? I mean, I'm assuming you have insurance. I mean, I mean, when, when things you know explode or damaged, um, um, you know, how do you approach that? And then how do you do it in a way that doesn't you know, piss off the creator or the producers?
0: It, it, we're always dancing uh, on a very narrow line sometimes. Uh, when you know in advance that something is going to get destroyed, oftentimes we'll make a version that they can destroy. It's more cost effective. There's multiple takes. Because the other thing people don't realize is that you have to destroy something sometimes 40 times. So it's not just destroying one of something, it's multiples and different ways and shot differently. So it gets really complicated when you have something that's very expensive on set. It's very unique. You only have two of them. And now through a rehearsal, the director and actor decide that this is now going to get destroyed. You could be in a place where you can't get another one and you have to tell that director, producer, actor, you can't do this. We only have two of them and then we're done. Um, So it's a very collaborative process. You have to talk people through it. Um, We are insured. The production companies themselves insure things. Everything that we send out actually has an evaluation as to what it would cost if it was destroyed while in production's hands. Um, And some of those things can be very expensive. Um, Productions can be very expensive, but films are um, complicated, expensive processes. But once they're done, they also make revenue forever.
1: Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, because I, I don't think, you know, anyone just, you know, wakes up one day and says, you know what, I should do a prop business. Um, but <laughs> there's never been a bigger demand, you know, I, 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 for, this type of, for these types of products and this type of service. Um, it, it's interesting. I grew up near a friend that did a lot of special effects on, in, in film and TV. And um, he wanted out of the business as quickly as possible. Right after he started, he ended up doing it for I think like thirty years. But he, he wanted out of the business because it really took a toll on his health because he was working almost twenty four seven. Or there'd be days where he'd be working twenty four hours straight. Uh, and um, you know, working in the in the film business um, can be very difficult because you know you have to follow the timeline. Um, how is your team? Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, are you all in a position? where you can you know, drop things off and just let it go? Or do you need to have people on the sets you know, with the producers and with the directors uh, uh, making sure everything's okay and that they have the support that they need?
0: Well, I, I feel for the people that are on set. The set life is very different from what we do. Uh, we're a vendor and we supply to those different shows. Um, on occasion, we'll supply armors or specialty people that have to be on film sets to deal with all of that. I have myself been on film sets. I've done a 100-hour week. It is not for the faint at heart. It is not a a simple job. It is very demanding. Uh, And the average work week in our film industry on set is an average 75-hour week. Um, That doesn't leave a lot of time for socializing. You pretty much when you're working, you're working full time. We have a great crew here. Um, I worked with Stephen Botchko many years ago on Doogie Hauser and NYPD Blue. And I, I really learned from him to surround yourself with very good people, let them do their jobs, and stay out of their way as much as you can. Um, and I've, I've surrounded myself with good people. Uh, once again, I use the term collaboration a lot, but we collaborate together. We're a family, we're a team. If you think about the hours that we work, we spend more time with the people here at work than we do oftentimes with our family. Um, and like families, there are good days and bad days. There are misunderstandings and uh, arguments and hurt feelings. And you have to navigate that every single day. Um, I wouldn't change anything. I love what I do. I love our industry. I love the people I work with. Um, we've all had that dream job to where you got to go to work every day with people that You just really enjoy being around. They bring something to the table. Um, They say something that makes you smile. They did something that you never thought of before. They made something you didn't think was possible. Um, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it because I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I can't imagine ever doing anything other than this. I have led an amazing life, and props have been a very big part of that. I've been around it my whole life. You know, a lot of industries frown upon nepotism, and our industry kind of embraces
1: it. There's a lot of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is. You know, I myself am second generation. My kids are all third generation. I have a granddaughter that could be fourth generation, but hopefully she'll be above the line producing these things. She'll be the boss lady. Um, But I think it's great. It has its place. Uh, You don't get this industry unless – You've been around it. Um, It's not anything you necessarily go to school for. You can take a film class and you can learn how to edit and you can learn how to engineer sound. But until you've been on a film set and you're on your 16th hour and there's animals that aren't acting right or the guns aren't operating properly or the rain birds stop working, you're constantly having to adjust to changes just like covid like you had brought up earlier in the conversation our industry is now as the entire globe has had to adjust to a COVID world how do we continue how do we make content how do we give people what they want you can't just stop failure is not an option so we figure out a way around it and we just keep doing it that's what we're doing
1: wow that's amazing there's just a lot of gems of what you just said i mean in what you just said um you know, one one specifically, you mentioned, like, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, yeah, there is a lot of, you know, nepotism and a lot of people know each other. But, you know, it's really, an, a, you know, a big family um, of entertainers, I've noticed. You know, I mean, when I went to your office, it was fascinating because I was there with Caressa, who's been in the business for a really long time. And just strolling through the hallways before we ended up um, connecting with you, Greg, we saw, like, at least a dozen um, very prominent renowned, you know, prop masters that are working on some of the, you know, the, the, the biggest budgets, you know, entertainment right now. And they're just there hanging out. Uh, They, 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 you know, maybe some of them were doing some work, but they were just, you know, in your offices and, 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 and chilling and hanging out. You have like this atmosphere um, that is, is, that's very unique um, um, where you have people, you know, where they, they feel appreciated. They feel they're a part of the family. They feel empowered and um you're not going around pitching you know pr- productions or studios they're all coming to you and hanging out at your at your warehouses and your offices and i found that very fascinating because it, there was a very friendly and i'd say even casual environment where people just felt comfortable safe and were enjoying their work you know um being at iss and that was something that you know i will never forget that you know, we have a a warehouse a couple of them, you know, for our product placement, we have people coming around, but they don't just stay there for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a lot more to do and there's a lot more space in your warehouses <laughs> as, as well. But that, that was something that was very you know, fascinating. But also, you know, it's a very unique time today. You know, we mentioned earlier that there's decentralized content. It's truly the era of the artist um, where people can, you know, really at their fingertips – be much more empowered to create and to create content, films, um, series. Um, you know, whether it's on a new platform or you know, breaking through and be able to work with Netflix or Amazon. Um, but the truth is, you know, it's not just about exclusivity. I mean, I mean, right now is a time where anyone that wants to can be a part of the entertainment world and, and the entertainment industry. But you bring up something. Um, it's very difficult. It takes a lot of work. There's a lot of time spent on productions. There's a lot of patience and a lot of timing, um, that needs to work out flawlessly in order for a production or, or, or a film to be shot just exactly how it needed to be, you know, I'm um, shot in the first place. Um, and, and, and so it takes a lot of hours. And, and so it's one of those things where, you know, as I've dove deep into the entertainment industry, um, and, and I've been very fortunate and blessed to be a part of it, you know, for most of my career. Um, one thing I've learned is that it really is just a different type of personality. There's, there's a whole other level of assertiveness, you know, to really accomplish this thing, because it takes a lot of work to get it so the masses enjoy the content that you create. There's a lot of data into play, a lot of creativity, and then a lot of hours worked. And And so I think what you said, you know, earlier of, you know, you know, there's people that work hundred hour week work weeks or even longer than that. Um, you know, that's, it's very common entertainment. Those, you know, that follow us that are creators or aspiring creators, you know, this is a very fulfilling industry, but you know, it, it's going to require a lot of time, a lot of hours. And to, and to navigate that, um, you know, can be very difficult, but also very worth it. Um, where do you think things are going, yeah. Greg?
0: Well, I think, uh, COVID has kind of ushered in and accelerated the entire streaming world and a new business model that the entire industry is reacting to. Um, when I was growing up, there were three networks. It was a big deal for a fourth network to come along. Uh, just since we've been having this conversation, there's probably been two networks for starting to create their own content. So the insatiable need for content at every level. Uh, very small, very large, all points in between, all over the globe, all simultaneously, um, has created an amazing business opportunity for creating content and needing props and manufacturing things and employing people. Um, It's it's going to grow exponentially um, over the next five years. There's a lot of countries that are not even "Quote unquote," wired yet don't have streaming content, don't have the ability to make a cell phone call. Once all of these people get online and they start wanting their own content, it's going to be getting. It's all going to be created in all these regions, all over the place. So I see us being very busy for the next uh, hundred years. <laughs>
1: no, I, I believe that. Um, you know, um, if you can, let's talk about some of the international work you do. I mean, you you don't just you know support. American productions, you know, you have, you have an office in, in Europe, you, um, and, and you, you support, you know, most of the globe. Um, you know, do you have any, you know, you know, fun war stories, I guess, and, and, you know, sure. with your logistics business working globally,
0: but well, logistics are, are complicated. Um, uh, COVID has only made that more complicated. Um, we have stuff going on right now in Australia. Uh, we're working on extraction to, to trying to export, um, uh, military-grade weapons, machine guns, destructive devices, things that Australia doesn't have much uh, in their country. So you have to work with U.S. government regulations, ITAR regulations, exportation from the U.S. to a foreign country, and then all that stuff that you just sent there has to come back, has to be accounted for. Um, it is, it's very complicated, um, but it's also challenging. And the global aspect of things makes it even that much more interesting. Oftentimes, projects will start here in the U.S. and then have to go to several other countries, and we supply those props. Oftentimes, we'll even send personnel to make sure that those props operate properly um, and don't have any issues. One interesting story many years ago, when we were doing Mission Impossible, and Tom Cruise was in Dubai on the outside of that building with his special little gloves that let him walk up. Well, we actually sent a seamstress, a person with a sewing machine. We made all the gloves. We made the goggles. We made part of his vest. You couldn't wait for FedEx or some international shipment if something went wrong when Tom is on the outside of a building. These are possibly the most expensive gloves ever made. So we had a person on set at the 125th floor in case anything went wrong to those gloves, it could be fixed on the spot right then and there and not have to wait. So the pressure on production and sometimes a vendor supplying those on a show like that halfway across the globe, um, you can have a few sleepless nights when things don't go well.
1: Oh, wow. See, even you know, even though you know um, I'm in entertainment, and we do a lot with product placement and and, and, the, and these production companies and these films, it's interesting, you know when I when I watch like Mission Impossible and and that scene in Dubai, all I'm thinking about is what's going through Tom Cruise's head right now, and then what's happening with it with with the with, the, with, the, with the, 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 the you know the DP and like all the the camera tech, how are they pulling this all off? The last thing I'm thinking about is: is there someone inside the, you know, the 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 building on the hundred, you know, what is it, hundred twenty second floor, or, um, you know, with with a sewing machine just in case, you know, those gloves rip, you know, that, that, that that's amazing.
0: Well, what happens if Tom loses his glasses or something else? I mean, you have to have what people don't realize that any given film and a scene like that, sometimes you'll have five, six, seven, ten doubles, triples, quads. The stunt people have to have them, everything has to match. So if you're missing one of those components, it could be like, we can't film, we can't move forward. We can't keep doing this. And once again, ours is not a no industry. They're used to hearing yes and you have to figure out how best to say yes.
1: And and, and so you have to think ahead. You know, that, I think that's something that we can all apply in life. Um, in order to do a really good job and and to make sure that you mitigate risk for the future, You can't just be looking at the the three feet ahead or 10 feet ahead. You really have to look down, you know, a yard and 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 see what's around the corner or like try to guess what's around that corner so you can be ready for anything. And it sounds like your business is that type of business. I mean, it's funny you you say that you're not in the no business, you're in the yes business. And so you just have to make sure that you perform. And, um, you know, know, how fascinating. Um, What are you the most excited about right now?
0: Well, kind of what you alluded to, the uh, content creators and the number of productions that we're going to be working on, uh, the ability to scale that up, the logistics of getting it into and out of that person's hands. Um, getting in front of camera is just one small part of the equation. You would then have to get it back. You have to make sure it still works. You have to make sure it gets into our inventory. Then you have to get it ready for the next person that wants it because our industry is a copycat industry, and I think we've all seen if one particular film is very popular and or successful, all of a sudden you see 10 or 12 more like that. Um, a few years back, we had a volcano movie, and then all of a sudden we had four volcano movies, all in Los Angeles. Um, so you have to just be ready for that. Um, it's, um, I guess I'm most excited about the potential growth on a global scale. Um, we've kind of taken our business model with the way we do things in the United States. I still think the film and television industry is one of America's greatest exports. We export our content, our products, the films that we make all over the world. They have become the industry standard. Now, that being said, no offense to my English, Indian, Chinese counterparts, everybody's making their own content. Everybody wants to think that they're the best at it. They're the most unique. And I love that competitive nature of even something as creative as a commercial, a TV show, a feature film. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I love the, our business because it knows no limits. We're constantly pushing the envelope. They continue telling stories in ways I never thought possible a new technology will come along and it will make the production of a film possible. Whereas five years ago, it wasn't even possible.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting you bring, you bring up that, you know, you know, Hollywood or film and, and TV are, are, some of the best exports, um, you know, um, you know, out there, I mean, well, at least in, 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 in um, in, in, our country. And, and that's true because there's a lot of, you know, um, films that gross hundreds of millions of dollars, um, where the majority of that revenue is coming from China, and and and, and, and that's, that's not a new trend. I mean, that's something that's been happening for a while, but it's also starting to seem to um, happen a lot more often. And um, and so that no, that's very interesting. And it's it's one of those things on the from the digital perspective. Um, it, it's interesting because you know all the content today, whether it's on TikTok or if it's on YouTube or Facebook. It's global content, you know, so, so, you know, this is something that we've seen in Hollywood, but it's also happening in the digital world as well, as well, where, you know, you know, in this country, there's been, there's been a lot of like setting the standard of like where content can go. And, and I believe it's because, you know, um, it's one of the first countries that really empowered artists to create and, 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 and to innovate and to build a, you know, you know, and, continually, you know, you know, set boundaries or break or, or, you know, you know, um, break the model. And then that's what's happening today where, you know, there's a lot of creators that are self-funding their own content. And, and, you know, I think there's going to be a day where they're going to do that with blockchain where, you know, NFTs, I think has opened up the gateway for blockchain to truly start funding film and TV. And so these creators, Can have even more autonomy and even more independence and um it's 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 going to be fascinating and 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 you're a company um that is really you know one of the businesses out there that truly empowers the artist to create art and um one thing you know that i thought was very fascinating is that you've even taken it to the extent where you create fake brands (laughs) in order to make it so they can have brands um, in their content, and so that's where our business comes in um, on the Ben side, where we do product placement. Um, we have noticed that showrunners and producers and directors, and you know, they want the real brands in the content because it makes the content more authentic. It makes it more real. And and whether you know it's you know a period piece from the past or um, you know a futuristic um, um, film, you know that takes place in the future. They want real brands in that content. Um, you know, t- give me the background on w- what inspired you to start creating these, these um, brands when, when um, these creators and, and producers couldn't find brands to let them use their products back in the day.
0: Well, let's say it's a, a negative association. It's some young people that are consuming an alcoholic beverage um, and an accident happens and people are hurt. And that's not really a great advertising campaign for a a Budweiser or a Michelob or a Heineken or or whatever. So you have to create something that isn't real, doesn't exist, and there's no negative association with that brand. Um, But we've also seen TV shows or feature films where somebody took a piece of black tape and put it over or just put beer, and it looks awful. It takes you out of the moment. When I'm watching a TV show or a film, If we do our job perfectly, it's very organic. Everything seems like it fits. Nothing stands out. If we do our job poorly, like if in the foreground, there's a giant can of beer that just says beer or a big black uh, piece of tape over it, my eye will go to that and it will drive me insane for the entire show. So we have, when I started graphics, I, I went to a Whole Foods and I went to a few markets and I grabbed as many products as I could find. That pre existed. And we took it back to our designers and they started designing products that are similar but not the same, that looked real, that didn't look like a prop. Uh, I wanted things to look authentic. And it's not like you had mentioned, not just contemporary pieces. Sometimes you have to do something from the 30s, the 40s, and 50s. So that was the basic conception. And then when you think about the amount of products that we consume and we have in our daily existence that could ultimately end up on a tv show or film it's magazines it's identification it's consumables it's snacks it's children's homework it's it's a if you see in the background i have my my granddaughter's artwork well you can't just use anybody's artwork it has to be cleared artwork and the children have to give approval so it's so far reaching our graphics company has a digital library of millions upon millions upon millions of variations of beer, cereal, butter, cigarettes. You name it, if it can be produced, we have then produced it. So it's a crazy library.
1: That's amazing. Out of curiosity, have you ever had or noticed people trying to search for those brands that they've seen in, in TV? Or, or film that, you know, aren't real brands, but are brands that you created for those productions.
0: Yeah, it's almost, it, they almost have their own cult following of the products that, that we have created. Heisler beer is a great example. We've had real beer um, companies reach out to us and wanna license the manufacturing of real Heisler beer. Cause as far as they're concerned, it has received tens of millions of dollars of advertisement and exist in this whole fake Hollywood world. And people would get a kick out of drinking a real Heisler beer. So yeah, there's people that collect stuff. I'm reached out to the the good and the bad news with technology. Um, I'm very accessible. So I get emails, texts, phone calls from people all over the world. Somebody will say, hey, uh, my husband's last name is Heisler. And for his birthday, I would love to get him a six pack of Heisler beer. So, of course, I'm going to accommodate that person because <laughs> we're, we're growing the brand and it's it's a kick. So people are shocked that I actually respond to emails and texts when these things happen um, or they just have a potato chip that they've seen in all their favorite movies and they have an affinity for this bag of potato chips. I've sent bags of potato chips all over the world to people because they collect these things. So. Who am I to say what is right and wrong?
1: You know, I, I was talking to a, f- a friend the other day about you. And, you know, I was mentioning that you're this, you know, this genius of a person that, you know, is really good with operations and logistics. Um, you know, what's the special sauce of, like, building a team to handle such high-scale logistics like you deal with that has timelines and a lot of high pressure? I mean, this is this is not UPS. This is not, you know... Um, Amazon. This is much different. You're working with some of the most egocentric um, content creators um, out there, and you have to keep them happy, which is extremely difficult. You know, what do you do to build a team? You know, to really accomplish this, because I, I can just only imagine how how difficult this is.
0: Well, it, it getting good people is hard. Keeping good people is even harder. Um, one of the things that have come out of COVID is that um, people, it's, it's changed their DNA. Um, if they're not happy where they're working, they don't work there anymore. So we try to create a culture here with companies um, that is a happy place to be. I mean, granted, it's still work. We're still doing a job. It can be very stressful, but we try to get along. We try to have some fun in the process. We try to take care of the client the best we can. When there's a problem, we try to figure out a workaround um, that satisfies them. And ultimately, it's something we can accomplish. Every situation is different. It is stressful. Um, It's also knowing people's strengths and weaknesses. Um, Not every hat fits every head. So some of the people I have with me are very good at certain parts, not so good at others. So when you see somebody struggling with one of the parts that they're not great at, um, try to partner them up with somebody that is, try to teach them how better to deal with it. Um, it's it's complicated, uh, but it's also part of what I really enjoy doing. It's the people part of what we do. Um, employees can be frustrating. I'm sure they think I'm frustrated at times as well, um, but dealing with all of the changes, the curve balls, the changes to schedule. Um, COVID has really change schedule situations. You used to be able to prep a TV show or a feature film, and you would put everything. This is the front half. This is the middle. This is the back half. Well, now three actors and actresses became positive. So now the back half is going to be done in the front half, and everything that you had six weeks to do, you now have one week to do. So everything is completely changing. You almost have to have the entire truck prepped in, in the room. So we have to adjust to those kind of problems as well. So we, we just hire a lot of really good people. We throw in the frying pan and we see what cooks up. <laughs> I, it's not I, exactly I a science. science.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you have a science to it. I don't think it's that easy, but um, that, that's, 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 that's amazing. And because um, I also saw that you had a very, uh, I, I was a very, I thought it was a very impressed, uh, impressive um, CRM system as well, just to make sure everything stayed organized and, And to find out that there's a lot of other companies out there that just do everything on pen and paper, um, that just blew my mind. And and it it also made sense, you know, why they're not the same scale um, as your businesses. Um, um, But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see as this world of content becomes even more decentralized, where there's a decentralization of platforms in addition to the content and that you know, there's even a bigger demand for your business, it's gonna be very interesting to see you know, where you're gonna to need to innovate and level up with tech because it's gonna become much more complicated than it is today. And I bet that's exciting to a personality like yours, like, like, like to a personality or a person like you.
0: <laughs> yes, my wife calls me the squirrel. Um, our industry is uh, ideally suited to incredibly ADHD people such as myself, uh, I joke with my children that uh, it's a curse for some. I see it as a superpower. Uh, our industry, you have to multitask. You have to continually readjust your priorities as things change on a hourly and daily basis. Um, it's, just, it's, it's all I know. It, it is going to be a challenge, but I've also surrounded myself with a lot of very good digital people. I kind of call myself the old uh, analog guy in a digital world but some of the kids that we have here, and I say kids because they are literally my son's age, so they could actually be my children. I don't mean that condescendingly. Um, but they're, they're really very good, and they have brought me into the 21st century um, with some of the uh, logistics, some of the organization, getting so many different parts and pieces of multiple companies all on the same page, working with different clients, in so many different locations. If you didn't have that technology and you were just pen and paper, and and I come from a time period we wrote our orders up on carbon paper. Uh, There was no inventory, there were no computers. Um, That's the way we did it. Um, And if you know 10 different people, they look at a, a microphone, they would call that microphone 10 different things give it 10 different evaluations. And then when a client is super specific on what they need, they don't just need the 1966, blah, blah, blah. They need the latter part of 1966. You have to be spot on. You can't be off. It has to be 100% accurate. So just when we inventory something now, there's a historical component with everything that we do. This was introduced in 1982. It it was used for these four Four years and then pretty much went away so that's the little window we try to put as much data and info into our inventory as we can it, it there's a lot of work
1: i i could see it being difficult you know creating systems and processes i mean i'm sure you do that with your inventory um, um but you know being that the only thing that's really consistent is not the content it's the it's the relationships right that's always creating new types of content and there's going to have to be new areas of innovation um, and and the, your, your ability to be able to evolve and adapt to this new world of content is, just, is fascinating and very impressive to me because um, you know, evolution is hard. It comes with you know, two, two pieces, uh, in, my, in my opinion. You have the fast-paced environment that's just moving fast, and, 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 and you have to have a team that can deal with that type of you know, um, um, you know, fast-paced work environment. And then you also have a little bit of chaos. There's always new things happening. There's always probably new friction points. And to be able to continue to grow a business and scale up and, and to evolve, you know, with the complications that you're always facing, you know, that's, that's very impressive. And, 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 and
0: you know, you
1: know there's, there's a reason why you're the leader and the pioneer of the industry when it comes to
0: props. Well, the funny thing is I left doing shows um, 28 years ago to come into the companies because although I love doing my job as a property master, I was only working on one show. And if it's one show at the time, it was a police show. Once you have that kind of figured out, there's not too many additional changes they can throw at you. The thing about a business and growing a business and being able to go in so many different directions, um, you're never bored. There's always a new opportunity just around the corner. And it's a challenge to, uh, make your decisions, and choose your direction wisely because I've made plenty of mistakes and continue to do so and will always make mistakes. It's what you learn from those mistakes that gets you to the next step that much quicker than just even a year ago. So I love the term evolution because our industry probably evolves faster than most businesses because it's an interesting mix of technology and the creative component, which can just take you in so many crazy directions.
1: Mistakes are always a good thing. You learn from mistakes. You want to fail as fast as possible and learn from those um, because it's yeah. going to refine who you are in, in your business. You know, one thing I talk about with my company and and, and the people I work with is that, you know, friction is a good thing. Friction can be really good if it optimizes who you are and what you're doing and if it refines, you know, who you are and what you're doing. Um if it, if it sets on fire and it burns you up, it's not a good thing. (laughs) And so, you know, those that don't get caught on fire are the ones that are always making adjustments where they need to and learning so they can go to that next level and, 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 you know, be successful in what they're doing. Um, I want to ask you one more question, Greg. Um, I want to be respectful of time. I know we, we got off on a late start. Um, um, when we started this podcast, but, um, and I'm excited to go to dinner with you later this week, you know, as we have planned. I want to hear
0: about your travels to Machu Picchu. Yeah,
1: we'll have we'll have to we'll have to chat about that. You know, that, that was that that was an awesome experience. But um but um a, a question I have for you is like what keeps you inspired?
0: Wow, that's uh it's like one of those uh if you were a tree, what kind of a tree would you be? Questions. Uh what keeps me inspired? Um I would say the people I get to work with, the collaboration. And then dovetail that in with the constant changing of how to tell a story. There's so many ways to tell a story, but when it's done perfectly and it's done with an amazing script and a perfect cast in amazing locations and the set de- decoration, and the property and the art direction, everything is just perfect. Um, That inspires me um, to try to continue making that next amazing project that we may have had some part in, a little part or a large part in. Um, I love that, and I think I'll always love that. Every time I go to a movie and we were involved in it, um, there's a little part of me that's going to be really proud. And we'll always be proud of our, uh, our work on that and the people I get to work with. So kind of a convoluted answer, but, uh, I love, I love, I love making this. I love doing this.
1: That, that, that's beautiful. Um, you know, you're a part and your team is a part of, of every production that you're, that you're, you're collaborating with. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, you know, one thing I believe is that, um, the best, I guess, preserver of history and culture are the arts, you know, yeah. whether it's film, whether it's poetry, whether it's a book or a painting, you know, art is what preserves history, culture, and I would even say data. And we can learn from all of those things, you know, to, to, to live a better life and to have a better future as a community society and as a planet. And, and I really think whoever can better empower the creation of art um, and, and, you know, make it so it, it goes to a new standard. Um, that's a very beautiful thing. And I think it's, it's beautiful for humanity. And I think it's beautiful for the planet.
0: Yeah. And we can peacefully coexist. And I think we could do a much better job than what we have done previously. And, and like you'd said before, learning from your mistakes, we have clearly as a human race made plenty of mistakes. Uh, moving forward, we could do much better in the fact that Technology has connected all of us on a global scale, um, can also help us learn from all of our shared mistakes uh, at the same time, and maybe we could make those improvements much faster than what we had done in the previous century, because we're going to have to start moving a little faster to making things better.
1: Yeah, and, you know, wholesome content is going to help us get there Uh, from an education perspective, you know, as well as from a perspective of inspiring people to do new things and to do it better. Um, so, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's very easy to marginalize entertainment and Hollywood and all the content that is out there. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of influence that comes with it. And it's important to, you know, be in, you know, a positive, I guess, um, a po- a positive part to that influence. And, um, yeah, so it's exciting. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm excited for all that you're doing and where you're headed. And, you know, we're going to definitely keep in touch. Um, Thank you so much, Greg, for, for joining and being a part of this. Um, Thank it's great you for to have uh, giving
0: you. me a minute to talk about props.
1: Yes. And, and everyone that has tuned in, please consider giving us a like. Please subscribe. And um, check out the other videos and, and podcasts that we've done in the past. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good day.